Asylum, a memoir of a decidedly sane individual, by Chris Luminello. This is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. I do not, let me stress this fact, do not belong here. It's up to the judgment of others, it seems, to determine what should happen with me. To me. It's insane, is what it is. I'm sorry. I apologize, I'm jumping ahead of myself. The here, as it were, is Crowfield Insane Asylum, a place where deranged lunatics are sent not to be cured or rehabilitated, but to be removed from decent society. It is for the dangerous, not someone like me. You can understand, then, why I am so distraught. I am not insane, ergo I do not belong here. You see? I imagine you're wondering how I find myself in this predicament, which is a perfectly reasonable thing to consider. And I will tell you, I honestly have no idea. One morning, I awoke to find myself alone in my marriage bed. My wife was nowhere to be seen. In her stead, two burly men dressed in starched white, were hovering above me. Without explanation, they forcefully held me down, incapacitated me, and brought me to this wretched place. That was three years ago. Since then, I've been kept here. It would actually be a relief to be insane. If that were the case, I wouldn't be so painfully aware of how my world has become. Three years without reprieve. My wife... My beautiful, treacherous wife has not contacted me, visited me. Was she the one who orchestrated this madness? Did she somehow, in some way, bring about my incarceration? Or rather, was she also ensnared to rot away somewhere else in this damned asylum? Is she a room away, her perfect form left to decay, her soft skin turning to wood, her quick eyes turning to ice? Her name is Lauren. Was Lauren? Tense. It's an interesting word, asylum. It derives from the Greek asylon, meaning refuge, with the noun form being asylos, inviolable, safe from violence. How safe am I? They force me to take medication, which does not affect my thinking, but merely leaves my body numb and exhausted. Safe, <laughs> indeed. I feel cold and exhausted all the time. The medication is voluntary? insofar as my refusal to take it causes them to forcefully administer it to me. So I maintain a shred of dignity and choke down these pills. Crowfield Insane Asylum is a dreadful building. Yes, the atmosphere is frigid and austere. And yes, the orderlies and nurses are cruel and pitiless. But do you know what the most intolerable aspect is? the lights. They are harsh and fluorescent, and they never seem to be turned off. They distort every detail, making them more unpleasant than I thought possible. I can't handle it. If I wasn't mad when I was dragged here, I will surely become so as a result of these blasted lights. 
My room is gray and cold, a suffocating square. It's devoid of all furniture, except for a single bed, my own nightly coffin. It has a single sheet and pillow, coarse and sterile. The walls are very high. I feel like I'm drowning in condemnation. So here I am, reduced to a husk of a person. I am left with only one distraction. From my bleak, awful cell, I am blessed with a window. It is too high to look out of, and the bars create a cross-hatched silhouette. Indescribable cruelty. But from that window, the smell of the wind always drifts down, alleviating my miserable isolation. Yes, I am aware that it is simply wind, but the wind is special to me precisely because it contains an element of the reality I was once blessed to be a part of. It reminds me that there is a world outside and that I might one day rejoin it. It reminds me that I need to get out of this place. They've taken to having me speak with a doctor. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but one generally receives the title of doctor by going through a difficult education, and it is generally reserved for those who have proven themselves to be highly intelligent. How is it, then, that this man is so ignorant? I have tried explaining to him that I am innocent of any and all psychological maladies. He simply listens, writes on his accursed little clipboard, and then glares at me. He refuses to even explain to me why I am stuck in this place. I have never been so full of loathing in my life. There was, in fact, a time where this doctor was distracted and had to be called away, presumably to deal with some poor soul who actually belongs in this asylum. He left the clipboard on his chair. While he was preoccupied, I had just long enough to glance over his notes. I could not believe what I read. I was, according to this degenerate crackpot, suffering from acute denial, various signs of repressed aggression. I am beyond offended. How could this idiot make such outrageous claims? I have never shown any signs of aggression towards him or any of the brutish orderlies who have left me so exhausted, both physically and emotionally. The only violence in my life comes from others and is directed at me. It is so unfair. And that's when I see it. A photograph neatly clipped to the back of my file. The scarlet is the true eye-catcher. And beneath the blood is my wife, her head turned toward the camera, eyes unfocused, looking into nothing. Her long, thin neck has been opened. Her eyes are gray, her skin has turned to the color of old snow. They've killed her. They've killed her. Asylum. Safe from violence.
After the doctor returned from his dire engagements elsewhere, I questioned him. I was calm and polite, despite the fact that my insides were burning. I firmly demanded an explanation. He did not grant my request. He explained to me that it was against the rules for me to read his notes, and that if I were to do it again, I would face serious consequences. I felt bile rising in my throat at such a threat. What more could he do to me? I was shaking. My vision quivered. He told me to calm down. I said that I was calm, and that he should explain to me why this had happened, why they had done this. At this, he stood up, called to the orderlies, who entered the room, threw themselves against me, and injected me with some awful tranquilizer, the cold needle sliding delicately into my neck. I don't remember much more of that incident, except that, as I was fading into unconsciousness, I saw the doctor's shoes. I prayed to them for mercy without words. I could not see them, but I knew cold eyes looked down on me. I pray, I pray that I will get through the trials that some angry god or other has brought upon me. I have a shred of faith left in me. That is, until that angry god decides to see just how far he can push me. It happens while I am with the doctor. It had been a long time since my outburst, as that cretin would come to refer to it, I find it to be an unusually grueling session, and so I quietly ask if I may use the restroom. I need to get away from him for a moment. He pauses, briefly, before hailing one of the orderlies. They whisper quietly to one another while I wait patiently. The orderly returns and gestures to me to follow him. I am unsure what to expect but I do not have the energy to resist any orders. I follow the hulking figure out of the room, down one of the many miserable, identical hallways, coming to a stop outside a door marked No Entry. The orderly unlocks it and indicates that I should enter, which I do. I am being rewarded, or so the doctor believes, weeks of good behavior. I switch the light on and find myself in the employee restroom. The light is very different from the usual restrooms I use. This fact, I am ashamed to admit, thrills me unexpectedly. Aside from that, however, it does not seem much different from any of the other restrooms throughout the building. It was not the greatest of rewards, but thank God for small reprieves. I fill the sink up with water, which I splash on my face. I look up. There is a creature looking at me, and I stumble backwards, startled. It has pale, gray skin. Its eyes are sunken and dark. It is unhealthy and morbid. Disgusting. It is then that I realize what indeed makes this bathroom so different.
It is not the privacy or the lighting. It is the mirror. I am a corpse. I am a healthy soul trapped in a decaying body. And I am alone. I am beginning to fear that I will never be released from this madhouse. There is no mercy in here for me. There is nothing for me. As such, I have begun to plan my escape. I will not be held any longer. It has taken some planning, but I have come up with a way to finally get out of here. I honestly don't know why I didn't think of it sooner. It's most likely because of how distracted I had been by the injustice of my incarceration, the pain of my loss. But I am finally thinking clearly. It's remarkably simple, almost embarrassingly so. In the privacy of my room, at the dead of night, while the nurses are at their least wary, I have taken the single sheet from my bed and torn it into long strips. I have tied each strip together, creating a long rope. I am pleased with the results, and I am nearly delirious with the prospect of finally being free. I throw my makeshift rope up to the window that has saved me so many times before. It's remarkable how much it's helping now. I manage to get the rope to snag onto the bars, which I then tease down to myself again, allowing me to tie a knot. After doing so, I pull it taut. It hangs about seven feet off the ground. I can just reach it. Salvation! It's strong enough to support my weight. They think I can't escape. They are wrong. I create a loop at the end of the rope. I am going to get out of here the only way I can. I take the loop in my arm and heave my body up. Slowly, I make my way up. I can feel the wind blowing softly through the bars, intoxicating me with its promise of leaving this living hell behind me. I reach the bars of the window and hold myself up. It is everything I could have imagined. It is beautiful, and it is bright, and it is clear. They are convinced that I am insane. I know the truth. I've never been more sure of it. I can feel tears of joy burning down my cheeks. It's so beautiful. I'm free. I see in my mind's eye the photograph of my wife, of my Lauren. The pool of blood is too dark to offer a reflection. Her cold, silent figure. I see Lauren. I see her laughing. I see her smile. I see her eyes, quick and bright, her smile. I lift the loop and maneuver it over my head and onto my neck. It's beautiful. I release my grip from the icy steel bars and throw my body. I feel myself floating backwards. 
I have escaped. I have proven them wrong. It's beyond words.